0: Good afternoon, it's a privilege for me to be with you, to bring God's Word, to study together and apply it in our lives. Today is, as mentioned by by Alan, it's February 14th, Happy Valentine's Day. And as mentioned, um, today is exactly one year since we arrived from the UAE. It's been a blessing, it's still part of the transition, I think. In 1904, William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school. As heir to the Borden family fortune, he was already wealthy. For high school graduation present, his parents gave 16-year-old Borden a trip around the world. As the young man traveled to Asia, the Middle East, and Europe, he felt a growing burden for the world's lost and hurting people. Finally, Will Borden wrote home about his desire to be a missionary. Several friends and family members expressed surprise and disbelief that Will was throwing himself away as a missionary. As he thought about the reaction, Borden wrote two words in the back of his Bible, no reserves. He would hold nothing back from the Savior who had given his life for him. During his college years, Will Borden made an entry in his personal journal that defined what his classmates were saying in him. That entry simply said, say no to self and yes to Jesus every time. During his first semester at Yale, Borden started a prayer group that would transform campus life. Borden's small morning prayer group gave birth to a movement that soon spread across the campus. From 150 freshmen during the first year Became 1,300 students during senior year, meeting weekly for Bible study and prayer groups. Borden's outreach ministry was not confined to the Yale campus. He founded Yale Hope Mission. Borden's missionary call narrowed to the Muslim Kansu people in China. Once he fixed his eyes on that gold, Borden never wavered. Although he was a millionaire, Will seemed to realize always that he must be about his father's business and not wasting time in pursuit of amusement, that is, his Father in Heaven. Upon graduation from Yale, Borden turned down some high-paying job offers. In his Bible, he wrote two more words, no retreats. Having set his hand to the plow, he would not turn back. William Borden went, up, went on to do graduates' work at Princeton Seminary in New Jersey. When he finished his studies at Princeton, he sailed to China. Because he was hoping to work with Muslims, he stopped first in Egypt to study Arabic. While there, he contracted spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden was dead. When the news of William Whiting Borden's death was cabled back to the US, the story was carried by nearly every American newspaper. A wave of sorrow went around the world. Borden not only gave away his wealth, but himself, in a way so joyous and natural, that it's simple privilege rather than a sacrifice," wrote Mary Taylor. Was Borden's untimely death a waste? Not in God's perspective. Prior to his death, Borden had written two more words in his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves, and no retreats, no retreat, he had written, No regrets. What made William Warden decide that there are no retreats, no reserves, and no regrets? It is love for Jesus Christ. He considered Jesus Christ as preeminent in all of his life. How about you? Do you consider Jesus Christ as worthy of your worship and praise in all areas of your life? Do you consider Him supreme? and the most important. This is what Paul is exhorting to the church in Colossae, that they worship the Son of God. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossian Christians, a church in the present-day Turkey, to encourage them to remain in the faith, to remain steadfast in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So please open your Bibles with you, or it might be your cell phone or tablets to Colossians chapter 1. Our passage is in Colossians chapter one verses fifteen to twenty-three, and by the way, it's at the back of your, I think, your handout. Yeah. So Colossians chapter 5, chapter one verses fifteen to twenty-three, and please follow along as as I read. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now considered reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and in which I, Paul, became a minister." Let's, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who rules over all creation and in whom we can trust. We pray that your name will be lifted up as supreme over all things, even in our worship and our praises. We pray that the truth about Christ will bring us more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else, that we might ultimate, we might find ultimate satisfaction in You alone. We pray for wisdom and understanding as we study Your Word today. Remove whatever distractions in our midst for Your Word to be clearly declared by the help of the Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the previous verses of Colossians chapter 1, which is actually a prayer by Paul, he prayed for the Colossian Christians that they may be filled with the knowledge of God as they walk in a manner worthy and pleasing to Him. This was an encouragement and a reminder to this church so that they will not be swayed by the false teaching of doing strict rules on traditional rituals and about food that they eat rather than their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul showed the superiority of Christ over all human philosophies and traditions. This sounds familiar, but even today, our churches are still facing false teachings of the extra-biblical philosophies and traditions more superior they think than the Bible which are directly taught. Most churches are missing the superiority of Christ, the supremacy of Christ in churches. Christ is the head of the church. And so, He must be preeminent in the way we conduct ourselves as a congregation, when we gather together, and as individuals, when we are at home, at work, in school, and even with, when we are with our friends and families. And I think this is the main reason why we need to study and learn the Bible. Teachings applied in early churches, just like this letter of Paul to the Colossians, can then be applied in churches now, and we are thankful to have the Bibles with us. It is in our hands. And it's availability for those who seek to know Him more. Let's continue to prepare our hearts as we look into this passage and learn how this will encourage us to walk in the faith. I have chosen a title for this sermon. I call it, as part of the passage, that Christ might be preeminent. When we say preeminent, it's somebody who is of the highest rank or dignity or importance. He is somebody supreme. So my prayer is that we can see Christ as preeminent or supreme in all of our lives that will lead us into worshiping Him. So if you are taking notes, which I encourage you to do, it would be helpful to consider two points from our passage this afternoon. We ought to praise and worship Christ because one, Christ is Lord of creation number two, Christ is Lord of redemption and reconciliation. For us to understand the worthiness of Jesus Christ is to understand who He is. What we know shapes what we believe and reflects who we are. So let's consider our first point. We ought to, we ought to worship Christ because He is Lord of creation. Let's consider the first part of this passage. This is in verses 15 to 17. And I read. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Look at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Paul is saying here that you need to trust the supremacy of Christ because, first, He is the image of God. We know that God is invisible. We cannot see God, it is one of His attributes. He is invisible. But the man Christ Jesus who walked on this earth is God's image. Take note that Jesus was not created in the image of God. That's what we learn in Genesis 1. Just like who we are as humans. Here, Paul is declaring that Jesus is the image of God. It is because God wants us to know Him through His Son. This is what the author of Hebrews has to say about who Jesus is, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And also, this is Jesus' reply to Thomas, In John chapter 14, verses 6 to 9, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me, has seen the Father. Jesus is the true imprint of the image of God. He is the Son of God whom God the Father sent as His image in this holy world. Jesus reflects the glory of God. He is truly man who was born in a manger, was raised as a carpenter's son, and preached to a multitude who followed Him, and even in the synagogues. He is truly God who performed wonders And miracles. He walked on the water, fed the 5,000 using two fish and five loaves of bread, had called dead into life, and let the blind man see. Jesus is truly man and truly God. Paul wrote that Christ is also the firstborn of all creation in the same verse. Paul is asserting here for the rights and privileges of a firstborn in the royal family. The firstborn is the heir to the kingdom. When his father, the king, dies, he is taking the responsibilities in the family and to carry on with the role of the king. The firstborn is responsible to continue the ruling sovereignty. So it's Jesus who is the firstborn. I think the same with our culture. If you're the firstborn and uh, the father dies, normally the firstborn is responsible for the widowed mother and the family. Jesus Christ He's the firstborn. He is responsible in taking care of all the creation. God the Father transferred His authority of the kingdom to His beloved Son. He has the power and the authority to manage and to take care of the whole creation. In verses 16 to 17, notice these words. For by Him, through Him, and for Him. Paul describes the sufficiency of Christ in creation. Though Jesus became a man, He is superior than us and the rest of all creation because all things were created by Him. And He created all things through Him and for Him. Christ is the reason why all things were created. He is the goal of creation. In all of this truth about creation, God is showing that He doesn't need help to create all things. Everything comes from Him. Everything through Himself and by Himself. Christ doesn't need any of us. He is sufficient in all of creation. Christ is the Creator and we are His creations. And because Christ created all things, He owned all things including us. If Christ is the owner, then he is responsible and can do whatever he wants for his creation. Paul added that he is also before all things in verse 17. That is, before all things were created, Christ is already there. Jesus explained this in his debate with the Jews in John chapter 8, verses 53 to 58. This is the Jew talking to Jesus Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is God. But you have not known me. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him and keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced, that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to him, to, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The Jews knows about the timeline of Abraham. And they were angry for the claim to Christ, who was with the Father during creation. Christ was not created because He was with the Father even before creation. Take a look here how Paul elaborates creation. It's amazing. The scope of creation is what? Heaven and Earth. Can we measure this size? No. Scientists are still discovering new things underneath the ocean and behind the farthest planet or stars up to now. What are underneath and farthermore is part of God's creation that men are still discovering. God's creation is infinite in size. Christ created an infinite universe. How about the nature of its coverage? It covers the visible and invisible. Thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities. I am thinking of the power of the United Nations to get involved in the affairs of all member nations. How much more for God to create and supervise and manage everything. It's beyond what we can imagine. God's creation is infinite in cooperation. Have you thought of the vastness of creation? Have you thought of how vast is our God who created all things? Is this not worthy to bring back to Him all the praises and the glory for everything we have in this life? Christ created all things through Him and for Him. He gives meaning to everything. He is the goal of creation. He is the reason for everything. He is even the reason in your marriage if you are married now. How is your obedience to the role of husband and wife in Ephesians 5? Husbands, are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water with the Word? How do you give yourselves to your wife to sanctify her? Do you spend time with your wife to encourage her by reading the Bible or reading a good book together? How do you help her practically in her physical needs? Wives. Do you submit to your own husband as to the Lord? For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Do you seriously encourage your husband to lean over you and support him In his responsibilities? For those who are single, he's the reason for you being single. Are you wisely spending your time helping families in this church? And the ministries where you can help young boys and girls in Sunday schools? And other ministers that you can spend your time? Spend some time with somebody who is mature in the faith for one-on-one discipling relationship and help you to grow in holiness. If you are a young man, look for a mature godly man. If you are a young lady, look for a mature godly woman. He is also the reason even of our sufferings. Christ is supreme in all of creation, including COVID-19. Yes. How are you making use of your time to advance in your knowledge of God while you are in quarantine or in lockdown? How much time do you spend in prayer and in the reading of the Bible? How are you helping practically the families of members of your church whose parents or other family members were positive are positive and in quarantine or being hospitalized? Those who are positive with COVID-19 Don't lose hope and don't be discouraged, but instead be reminded that in everything God knows and He is the one who is in control, even over this virus. Knowing that your church is praying for you and lifting you up to the throne of grace and mercy of the Supreme Christ, be
1: encouraged.
0: Your ultimate comfort is in the preeminent Christ. Christ is the reason why all things were created, and He controls everything, all for your own good and for His glory. And not only that, Jesus created all things. Look at verse seventeen. And in Him, all things hold together. Jesus sustains all creation. This infinite creation is actually in God's, in Christ's hand. Christ is holding things together. Meaning, you are alive today because of Him. The amount of oxygen and nitrogen and other components in the air that we breathe is very much controlled in order for our body to function well and keep us alive. The reason why you are physically here is because of Him. The chairs that support you as you sit And the building where we are in, still standing, is because of Christ. The gravity that's pulling the whole universe to revolve in its orbit around the sun is because of Christ. All atoms and molecules and other quantum elements are in place right now, right here, is because of Christ. When Christ is not holding all things together, all of us will vanish. In Christ, all things hold together. Christ's deity is proclaimed here. All of the attributes that Paul described in Jesus Christ is proclaiming Christ's deity. That the Lord Jesus Christ is preeminent because He is God. But Paul didn't stop there. That Jesus Christ, who is Lord of creation, is the same Jesus who is Lord of redemption and reconciliation. And this is our second point. We ought to worship Christ because He is Lord of redemption and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Let's read the second part of the passage in verses 18 to 23. And He is the head of the church, the body the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body and flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul continues with an explanation of who Jesus is. And in verse 18, he identified Jesus as the head of the church. Biologically, Head is an important part of our body. I think it's the most important part of our body. When you cut off your arms, you still can live, not fully, but at least, at least you're alive. But when you cut off the head, you're done. It is because your head is where all functions in your body is being controlled. All parts of your body is wired to your head. It controls your body. In the church is the same. A church without Christ is dead. Jesus is the leader of the church and the one who sustains to keep churches united as a body. Remove Jesus as the head. There will be no church. As the head of the church, all believers obey and follow Him in all His commands. This body, the church, is made up of His redeemed people. Believers that Christ delivered them from the darkness of sin into his light. Then Paul continues in verse 18. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. What makes Jesus preeminent in everything? He is answered by Paul. By proclaiming that he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. From the beginning to end. Christ it is. In other words, it's everything. From the creation until he returns. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. They read, in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the life of men. Christ is the beginning and the main reason why all things were created. Including his death, which is for us to have life. Mm -hmm. Verses 19 to 20 is the staggering truth. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. God, who is holy, was pleased to dwell in the person of Christ only in Jesus Christ, that the Holy God was completely pleased well. Jesus, who walked on this earth and lived the life as one of us, remained sinless and pure and holy that the holiness of God can dwell in Him. And this holiness in Christ reconciled all things to Himself through His blood. What is staggering it is this? It's the death of a sinless man. Christ, who is preeminent, who is not guilty of anything, to be slain on the Roman cross for the sins of others. His blood through his death was prophesied and fulfilled and what what was written. His death relieved us from the ultimate judgment of this world that sinners deserve to receive. This is the gospel that the creation needs. This is the gospel that saves. Christ is front and center of this gospel for sinners to be saved. He was born to die for all sinners to be reconciled to Him. Paul added that this reconciliation, making peace with God, was by the blood of His cross. Whose cross the blood to shed? Not by sacrificial rights of animals, but by Christ's blood. Christ's cross. Not by anybody else, but by Jesus Christ. Jen Piper described it as the most spectacular sin. It is the death of Christ in the hands of sinners whom He died. This reconciliation of all things doesn't mean that all people are already saved. It's universalism. But actually, it is only for those whom God has called. This reality is true as you look in the world around you. You are still in this imperfect world where people are fighting against one another for selfish desires and not for God's glory. Only those whom He called from the darkness of sin into the light of God are those who obey Him and worship Him and glorify Him. Those who are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Not of your own words, nor your family background, nor your wealth or your knowledge of the Bible, but by the grace of God, through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the hope in the Gospel that saved the Colossians, who were formerly enemies of God. And Paul reminded them in verse 21, that the Colossians are those who formerly were alienated and hostile to God. This represents the whole creation. You declared war against God when you disobeyed Him and rule your own life. You rebel against your Creator and Ruler of the universe. You and me are hopeless until Jesus Christ reconciled us to the Father by His death. We were washed by His blood for us to be holy and blameless and above reproach before God. This is the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. And then in verse 22, after reminding them of their old self, He again reminded them that the forgiveness of sins and the reconciliation with God is by the sacrificial death of Christ. But he moved forward as if Christ sustains all creation. He also sustained their salvation to present them holy and blameless and above reproach. That Christ is sufficient for their salvation. And this is an amazing truth: that Christ took your sins away by his death. Nothing else. Jesus paid it all. Friend, if you're here tonight and you don't know Christ and you want to have a personal relationship with Him, we are glad that you came. Christ died for sinners, just like you and me, like the Colossians. Man was created in the image of God to represent Him, to enjoy communion with Him in His presence and bring glory to Him. But all of us disobeyed and rebelled against God who is a holy creator. We want to be the king of our lives and live our own and live apart from Him. What we see around us today is the result of our rebellion to a holy king. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. The world is looking for their own satisfaction in almost everything apart from the source of our great creator, Christ who created all things. We deserve all the suffering and the pain, and even death, as we declare a rebellion against God. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But don't despair. There is a free gift from God, but at the cost of His only Son. God provided a substitute by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, the same Christ who is preeminent. He died a death He never deserved but gave up His life as a ransom for your sins. But He did not remain dead. He conquered death when He was risen from the dead on the third day, and now seated at the right hand of God. He redeemed us. Christ reconciled us with Him. He is the only way of salvation. John 3.16 is always a reminder for all of us. For God so loved the world, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, should not perish, but have eternal life. And you can pray even today, even now. If you repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved from the wrath to come and be reconcile to Him as our Allah Father. But your life as a Christian is not a walk in the park. The grace that saved us is the same grace that will sustain us. In verse 23, Paul explained how to remain in the faith. Paul wanted the Colossians to remain steadfast and remain in the faith until the end, to build their faith in a solid foundation, and that is in the hope in the gospel, which which he and other disciples are proclaiming to both the Jews and the Gentiles. Just like the Colossians. As Christians today, we are called to finish the race. A race is not a sprint, but rather a marathon. We are to run the race with endurance and hope to hear from our master, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master as we cross the finish line. Christians need to finish the race. And thank God it is not by your own strength, but by the grace of God. How often do you thank God that you are still in faith? Oh brothers and sisters. All of us will fail apart from Him. Let us continue to preach the gospel to ourselves, to remind us of His grace, His mercy, that our hearts might be filled with thanksgiving. Do you love Jesus Christ and worship Him for who He is? Do you love Him as supreme over your career, your car, your gadgets, your house, and even your families? Brothers and sisters in Christ, examine yourself whether you worship Jesus Christ as preeminent in all areas of your life. If you truly worship Christ, then He is the top priority. He is number one. If not, you need to repent of your sin. Are you occupied with your work that you neglect prayer and the reading of God's Word? Remember, the prayer and reading of God's Word are spiritual disciplines that are commanded to do for us to do, for our growth in their trust as we pray and our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reminded the Colossians, and I pray that this is a reminder to us as well. Are you in a relationship with an unchristian boyfriend or girlfriend? If yes, I have one question for you then. How can you love somebody who doesn't love your first love? Love will warning you to flee from this sin. The church can help you to see biblical truths about relationships that can bring honor to God and his faithfulness towards your desire to be with Talk to Brother Allen or some other leaders of the church about this. And let us truly worship our praying in Christ in all of our lives. By remaining faithful and steadfast in the foundation of our faith and the hope of the gospel. We can only agree with William Gordon that there is no reserves, no retreats, and no regrets if we know who we love and worship. Christ's preeminence will continue to be a joy as we continue to know Him for who He is. J.I. Parker wrote in his book, Knowing God, and I quote What were we made for? The answer? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? Answer? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? Answer? Knowledge of God. What is the best thing in life bringing more joy? delight, and contentment than anything else? Answer? It's the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving to us your Son, Jesus Christ, who is supreme over all creation. Thank you that we have sufficient redemption in in Him through His death on the cross. We also are thankful for the reconciliation we have in Him for the forgiveness of our sins. Father, we confess that in spite of how great Christ is and what He has done for us, we still do not cast all our hopes in Him. We are anxious of the uncertainties around us. We do not come to you for comfort, but instead we entertain different philosophies and traditional wisdom that leads us into trusting these alternatives. We ask for forgiveness of our sins. We pray for how you will end this COVID-19 pandemic. We pray that the world will see your greatness against this virus and they will turn to you to believe in the gospel for them to be saved, and for us to physically gather together again in person and to fellowship with one another. We pray that you protect this church ECC Manila from false teachings that would turn their eyes away from your son Jesus Christ. Protect the leadership of this church so that your gospel might be proclaimed in this place, all for your glory and in your Son's sake. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.